Hey, it's Bray coming from the editing room. I wanted to hop in before this week's episode with Jordan to let y'all know that we'll be talking about the Supreme Court's draft opinion to overturn Roe v. Wade. Um, we'll be talking about some pretty sensitive topics during this episode. This is actually the first episode in a series of conversations I'll be having about Roe v. Wade. Um, so take care of yourself. If this episode is too heavy, I support you if you feel the need to skip it. And if you're going to listen, I appreciate it and know that I'm holding all of you really tightly and saying that you are not alone in this fight and this fight has not ended it has just begun and we will continue to protect the rights of all so I love you now to the episode Welcome to the Tea with Bree. I'm your host, Bree. Thanks for listening. The Tea with Bree podcast is focused on deep, honest, and vulnerable conversation. Each week, I sit down with a different guest in order to have those conversations. Every week, we'll start my guest bio, an intro to how we know each other, and then we'll go into a deep dive conversation about whatever topic they brought to me that week. This week, I'm joined by my guest, Jordan Cooley. Jordan, who uses she, her pronouns as a 27-year-old graduate student at the University of Texas. She actually just finished, shout out to Jordan. Uh, While she now works in economic development research and strategy, her background is rooted in storytelling, bartending, and messy learning. Sorry, and messily learning what it means to have boundaries. Ah, listen, we love boundaries on this podcast. Yes, boundaries Mm. are a must, though they're so difficult. They're so difficult to define. (laughs) I need to have a, I need to have a podcast just about boundaries. That's like my next, my next like series, I think. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I'm so excited to chat with you today. I was trying to think how we first met and I think it was at the Boss Babes event back in 2019. I think it was, I think it was, I like sat in the front row um, did. and, and was just like, <laughs> wow, people doing things. Um, and you were just like, so enigmatic. And I just was like, I, w- I need to know her. I like need to know Brie. I'm honored. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, then you had your, like your poetry thing for a while and then the mm-hmm. pandemic hit and it was really yeah. sad, but it was great. I'm like, bring, bring back poetry, bring back live poetry. I need I it. I know. I mean, in some spaces we need it. The, there are the toxic cultures and like that aspect right. of poetry, which we can leave pre-pandemic, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm, I'm excited to finally, I know we've bounced ideas back and forth several times of like coming on your podcast and us chatting and whatnot. So I'm excited yeah. to, to be here with you. I'm excited to chat with you. I'm sad that we have to chat about what we're going to have to chat about because the world is on fire and <laughs> nothing is chill at all. Um, but we're going to talk about 
the inevitable overturning of Roe v. Wade. Um, and actually, you're the first guest in a series I'll be doing talking to like nurses and people who work in reproductive justice work and, you know, people who have had abortions, they'll be kind of trickled in mm-hmm. over the next like two months. Um, but it's definitely as, as a person who's always just been so passionate about re- reproductive justice work and access. And, you know, I've mentioned on the show before, like my mom had cervical and uterine cancer. I don't have a regular period and my doctors don't know why. Um, talking about the maternal mortality rate in America, Mm. number one, but specifically communities of color is an even deeper into black women and, you know, how we're much more likely to to die in childbirth and complications and just talking about how abortion access is, isn't just for unwanted pregnancies, right? Like we have women who, or people with uteruses um, Mm -hmm. who experience, you know, atopic pregnancies who, you know, are victims and survivors of sexual assault and, you know, all these different things of, of by chopping down Roe v. Wade. And also if y'all do some research into like what, where Roe v. Wade and where abortion access and abortion fighting actually started to come to be in religious groups specifically, which I'm sure we'll tangent about because Mm -hmm. the separation of church and state, and yet we're always using religion as a reason to lack or or, um, not allow abortion access. But obviously when I'm anxious and angry, I go down to Google and Wikipedia rabbit hole because we all do. Um, But really realizing that like the, the conversation around abortion actually took place because a lot of conservative religious folks um, after segregation kind of got dismantled, they needed something else to latch onto. Um, and we saw this, uh, you know, segregation and then LGBTQA plus issues and reproductive justice. And now specifically, if you go back to LGBTQA plus issues around, you know, the, the, the surgeries on intersex youth and folks that, mm-hmm. you know, just happen without their consent. Um, I mean, the, the consent of their parent, but not the consent of the individual. And mostly fear-mongering to parents, um, but then also all the bans uh, on trans folks in sports and all these other things. And so I did a, <laughs> I did a panel this weekend um, and spoke to some, some youth, some young girls um, from third grade to eighth grade. And like, what are you passionate about? I go, we don't have enough time in the world <laughs> for me to give you a full, honestly, a full length list because everything is just so tied together because we all hold such deep and viable intersections in just who we are as people, let alone we're in community too. So mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm mostly excited because I'm like, Jordan just lets me rant. <laughs> so <laughs> like we're just, just going to rant for, for a little while and talk about all the things. But yeah, mm-hmm. when we, we had been going back and forth, like, what are we going to talk about? And you and I both were like, Roe v. Wade, like now yes. it's the time we're ready we um, need uh, a couple of angry people on on the podcast just to so just to like angry. get it started, right? So and it was angry. like I was at the the Texas legislature working as a policy analyst mm-hmm. when SB eight passed, right? And I was working for uh, a Republican uh, representative, and I remember like when it passed, and like I started just like immediately crying, and like my <laughs> one of the LDs I was working with looked at me and he was like, "Why are you crying? It's not that big of a deal." And I looked at him and I like looked at my chief of staff and my chief of staff was like, if you need to go to the bathroom, you can go to the bathroom. And I just like that, the, the separation from like 
he couldn't understand why this would be such a big deal. Cause he was like, well, you know, it's just like, it's at heart, like six weeks is plenty of time to know, like if you're pregnant. And I was just like, mm. no, what do you know how irregular periods are? Mm-hmm. And like stress eating something wrong, missing your birth control pill a couple of days in the week. Like there are so many things that could affect someone's body. And like when they get a, when they get a period, um, it, it was, it was nuts. I know, um, I have a, a good friend of mine who works in, um, she's getting a dual master's right now in both po- uh, public policy Bless. and in, um, health. Yeah. And public health. And she, she was also working for a representative and like, she called me and she was like, I just, I don't know what to do at this point, Jordan. Like this is, this is the start. Right. And it's been a year and look at everything that's happened. Right. And you and I were talking before we got on, like, for me, it's been the gaslighting from people. Like (laughs) you have nothing to worry about. Like, why are you crying? And I'm like, my constitutional rights are being taken away from me. Mm -hmm. And I I'm going to tangent everyone. I just need everyone to be prepared for this episode. I'm just, I'm just going to lose my shit. Um, but the six weeks, like you're saying, I'm like, I, I don't know within six weeks, especially like since I was 12 years old, I have such an irregular period. Like I said, Mm -hmm. like I used to get my period every three months. So like I would have it in January, but not again till April. Mm. And then when it hit in April, I'd have it for three weeks and then I wouldn't have it for another three months. And no no one knows why there's nothing on my scans. They, you know, for BRCA, the, the gene for like breast cancer and cervical cancer, it came back negative. So it's just a thing I'll have to monitor forever. So it's that too, that, and then also like as a sexually active, safe, sexually active adult, you know, we're not going to sex, sex shame on this podcast. Um, but as a person, (laughs) yeah, I was like, as a person who has sex, because I can make, I can consent and do those things. Um, and I was a person who sleeps with all genders because queerness does exist. Um, I was sleeping with this guy for a little while and my, and as a person who doesn't get a period, I think I took a pregnancy test like three times just because it's, I live in Texas and I didn't want to hit those six weeks. And like, obviously we're being safe, but still like things happen. And it's, and it's just, even still, it's like, everything is on the person as a uterus to monitor their reproductive journey. But it's like, I I'm not getting myself pregnant. And you know, Mm -hmm. all these pro-life groups are like, you know, life starts at conception. I'm like, y'all don't give a shit about that life. It is, if, it is, if it is poor, if it is queer, if it is, you know, a woman, if it is, you know, a person of color. So I'm like, and it's been these conversations I've been having with people around pro-life groups of like, you can't say pro-life, but then we don't have universal health care. We don't have universal education. We don't have, you know, um, that sort of like standard of an income that everyone has a baseline of income so they can afford housing and healthcare and, you know, get people off welfare. So don't tell me you are pro-life just because you want another baby in this world, air quotes, but it's going to be a baby nine out of 10 times don't give a shit about. Someone just always like, yeah. And I, and I, and I know you had mentioned like when 45, cause I refuse to say his name when Mm. 45 was president, and talking about, you know, people he signed into the, to the Supreme court and people being really concerned. And I still think back to like so many people who are like, you know, when we get Biden into office, things will be different. And the day that like Kamala and Biden won the election, I went and got the words good trouble tattooed on my wrist as a reminder of like, this doesn't change shit for me because like politicians don't work for the people. They work for the people who pay them. Um, 
and you know, Brittany, who's been on this episode, a little bit of fun. Her Instagram is my favorite because she was like, politicians are not for you. They don't give a shit about you. <laughs> you need to hold them accountable. And there's obviously good ones. Like I love Cori Bush out of, mm-hmm. uh, oh my God, an absolute icon on Twitter. <laughs> She now Cory Bush is my president. Like anything Cory Bush says, I'm like, yeah, no, yeah. Like sign sign me up. Her and Stacey Abrams, I'm like, yeah, no, where do you where do you need me? Um, but you know, I just, you know, the two-party system, and honestly, like no shade to white men, I don't trust y'all. Like you have to like, you're not getting my default trust. Like you have to earn that shit because The the bar has to be so high. Well, the bar is in hell for white. I feel like it's just like, y'all woke up this morning and brush your teeth. You're doing great. I'm like, what? Like, and I think like for me, like as a black woman, I've had to, there's this quote I was thinking about, like I have to do twice as, I have to work twice as hard to get half as much. And I really noticed that when the new Supreme Court justice, she had to have this immaculate long ass resume for her to even like get into the door and even then people are like well makes what makes her think she's qualified i was like this is what is fucking wrong with this country whenever they brought up her lsat scores and you're just like do you do you know what she has done like more than any other supreme court justice overqualified absolutely overqualified. (laughs) yeah i mean it was it's 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 absolutely ridiculous um i i'm curious like when you know when things kind of like hit last year and the kind of like watching everything spill over, like what your feelings are on like other states' reactions. I don't know if you've seen like what what Louisiana has been doing Mm -hmm. Um, and just kind of like the implications, not just for access to safe legal abortions, but to IVF treatments, to IUDs, and just like all of that shit as well. (laughs) I think it was Louisiana that was the first state that was able to shut all their abortion clinics, if I'm not mistaken. I think so. Um, and, you know, a friend of mine who I love sent me and I was like, Beck, I cannot mentally <laughs> take this today. Like, and, and it, and it's also interesting to me, like how much shit just flies under the radar if you're not paying attention, mm-hmm. right? Like if you are not getting your news from multiple reputable sources, not Facebook, do not get your news from Facebook <laughs> or Twitter actually, sorry, Twitter. Yeah. Um, I mean, Elon owns it now, so I don't feel bad. Anyway, um, we're on a first name basis. He doesn't know, but we are. Um, I'm, I'm angry and annoyed, but I'm not shocked. Mm. And I, and I know it's because of, you know, the identities I hold living in this country. And I also always want to caveat, like, I know I'm very lucky to live in America, but I also am able to be critical of it mm-hmm. and look up the James Baldwin quote about it if you have the time because it's definitely mm-hmm. it's, like, it's very much like I love America which is why I hold it to a certain standard yeah. um but I'm I'm feeling and you and I were talking about this off mic before we started as like if you've been paying attention this isn't a shock to you mm-hmm. um a friend of mine Charlie she was she posted to you about like you know she's a white woman she identifies as a fat white woman and she's like she also grew up poor. She's like, I, she's like, I'm not shocked. This is what America does. Like if you are not wealthy and thin and white and have access, then this, this doesn't really, you know, you're not going to feel it. Um, and I, and I, when, when the news first came out about Roe v. Wade, I, I, I write, which I always forget that I write a lot when I'm angry, <laughs> um, but I wrote this, like, I was just, I was in New Mexico and just furiously writing on my phone. Um, 
and talking about, you know, in the grand scheme of things, like wealthy white women will still have access to abortion because they can afford it, um, especially if you are sleeping with a senator or a pol- another high level politician who doesn't want you to have their kid, you will have an access yeah. to an abortion. We'll get into that in, an, in another time. Um, <laughs> so I'm 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 angry, but I'm not shocked. I am. I'm kind of like you like you said at the beginning, like we have if you've been listening to abortion and reproductive justice activists you knew this was coming and so people and i guess for me like not to conflate the two but it's definitely like when black lives matter came back around in 2020 and like people were like oh my god i had no idea it was this bad i'm like have you been paying attention like we definitely live in different americas for sure like i i, I think that is definitely a thing that's happening um but yeah no i i think being able to pay attention to every state and knowing, you know, the states that will still have access to abortions, mostly all blue states or states mm-hmm. above the Mason-Dixon line, states that are not in the South, um, who are very much like you will still have access to abortion. And, and you know, us living in Texas, it's definitely a thing. I'm, I just resigned my lease and I'm always mm. like, but I've been saying this for years. Like, I don't think I could ever envision myself raising children if I have children in Texas. And mm-hmm. I know it's because I come from the North and, you know, had access to really good in-depth sexual health uh, education from the time I was like in fourth, fifth grade, like fourth, yeah. from fourth grade to like ninth grade. Like I, I could basically, I could probably deliver a baby. Like I'm basically a doula <laughs> because of the education we were getting like in a, in a, in a, in a progressive blue state that was that didn't teach us about just abstinence only it taught you Mm -hmm. you know what it actually means to have safe sex what it means when you get pregnant like all these like all these different things so to answer your question in a very (laughs) long-winded way um i i am not shocked i am angry but i'm also like i know this isn't like i know that the people who are doing this work aren't gonna just let this go but i need everyone to be paying attention because it's going to affect you no matter who you are in some way, shape or form. And also like that conversation around like men or people with penises just having a vasectomy. I'm like, not opposed to that either. I feel like, (laughs) I feel like, I feel like there's always been saying like if men, like cis men had periods, then Mm. they would like, we have, we would, everything would be. Everything would be centered around like, oh, I I need to be able to have an abortion this month Mm -hmm. because like I have a a function to go to later, right? right? Mm -hmm. It's, um, it's, it's ridiculous. Um, It's interesting. I think there's a really stark difference, right? Between your sex education and my sex education, whenever it comes Mm -hmm. to like public education, Um, because I'm born and raised. Texas, South of Houston. Yes. Um, oh gosh, you know what? There's part of me that loves being from South of Houston. And there's another part of me that's like, wow, <laughs> we, we went through some shit. Um, but yeah, my, my sexual education, um, was largely about abstinence. I mean, I grew up super, um, like Baptist, non-denominational Christian. Um, and like my mom was a teen mom. And so my sex education came from her, um, uh, but not about like having conversations with, teachers or with people in my life or like the sex education it was like I mean it's it's like that mean girls um skit or like that little blip right Mm -hmm. like you're you're just gonna die um and it wasn't until my senior year of high school I had um an environmental um an AP environmental science teacher and because um like reproduction falls underneath environmental science she was able to give us like 
carte blanche, like sex, sex education. And she's the one that told me about an IUD. She's the one that like told me about all of these things. And at that point in my life, I was dating someone who wasn't really great. who was really manipulative with my like oral contraceptive. Um, and so whenever I, and like my mom wouldn't go and take me to get an IUD. So as soon as I like went to college, I like booked myself a gyno appointment and like got myself an IUD because I was like, I'm not, mm-hmm. I'm not going to like accidentally get pregnant because like my boyfriend at the time was flushing my birth control trying to get me pregnant. <laughs> yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. So like, it's, it's, it's wild because like, there's so many people that were in my high school that got pregnant because they thought, you know, uh, a, what a, a grocery bag would be fine or that like a Ziploc bag would be fine or that pulling out would be fine. Um, and they just like, didn't know the statistics. They didn't know the information. <sighs> I also think it's the like tabooness around sex in our country. It's like we we are all sleeping with someone. Like as a person who I I was a virgin until I was 22. And when I tell that story, people are like, wait, what? I was like, I just, I just did not have time for boys at the time. Like I was super busy and I was like, I'm not going to let some stupid idiot near me at the time. (laughs) Um, But, you know, after, you know, becoming sexually active and being very good at my boundaries, which is, will be Mm. another podcast episode, another day. Um, But, you know, also having friends who experienced that, like their boyfriend was like just wanting to get them pregnant and like, Mm -hmm. and uh, for lack of a better term, trap them. And I'm just always like, what is one what is wrong everyone call your therapist or find a therapist (laughs) everybody should be in therapy I will die on that hill um but just thinking about that too like like you're saying like the pull-out method Mm -hmm. um plastic bags like the 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 way we just don't have the conversation and then we get mad when young people get pregnant it's like Mm -hmm. y'all weren't setting them up for success they're going to have sex so I ask like they're not going to do it um and just thinking about uh, about that of like uh, what, why America has such a high teen pregnancy rate mm-hmm. is because we don't talk about it, whereas other countries talk about it like at dinner. And, mm-hmm. you know, I was really lucky to be raised by a mother who had these conversations with my mm-hmm. godmother specifically, like sat me and her two girls down and like went through a whole conversation with us about safe sex um, and, and, you know, consent and, uh, you know, all these things when we were younger. And I'm really grateful for that because it's just like we put again we put so much so much onus on young women and people with uteruses mm-hmm. like this is your job it's like I'm not going to get myself pregnant like stop acting like I'm the only person in this equation um mm-hmm. versus like if we have the conversation with you know people with penises like you can get someone pregnant this is what you should be doing to be safe mm-hmm. absolutely I mean it's 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 shocking to, I mean, it's, it is, but it isn't because like Mm -hmm. you look at Colorado, right. Who, um, I forget when they did this, but I know that they started teaching like very, um, like not intimate's not the right word, but I can't think of another word for it right now, but like the, the details and nuts and bolts of like sex and everything. And they're, um, and they like provided contraceptives and they provided like access to, to birth control and like information about birth control and like all of these things. Um, and like their teen pregnancy rate went down, which mm-hmm. then makes the abortion rate go down because like if people have access to not get pregnant in the first place, you're not going to need or like feel pressured to figure out like, oh God, I have something growing inside of me now. What do I do? Mm-hmm. Right. Cause you don't, you don't have it in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. And so I just want to like, sadly think about SB8 and Roe mm-hmm. yeah. being overturned. 
and you know the heartbeat bill and I just it I so I watched that testimony um and it you know the the representative who presented it um I believe it was representative Slauson I would need to double check that but I'm pretty sure it's Slauson um she opened with her own very personal, very vulnerable story, right? Like her mom um, had gone to the doctor and the doctor uh, stated like this pregnancy isn't viable. um, And like, you should probably get it terminated. Like you, your life might be at risk. The baby's life is going to be at risk. Um, And the way that the representative went into it, uh, she was like, you know, but my mom persevered. She heard my heartbeat, right? Like she heard my heartbeat. And so if she had made, if she had like followed the discretion of the doctor at that time, I would not be standing here today. And like, it's, it's testimonies like that, which are incredibly powerful. And it's, it's, it's interesting whenever politicians and people in positions of power who are, who say like, Oh, keep emotion out of it. Keep the story out of it. Like, don't, we don't want to hear the sob stories and things mm-hmm. like that, whatever in reality, like that's how policy actually gets passed. That's mm-hmm. how things move forward is tying like that emotional aspect and that emotional story and that human element to a piece of policy. And it's, it's difficult whenever it's like, that is a really powerful story. And in no way do I want to invalidate that. But the reason your mom was able to make that choice was because she had a choice, mm-hmm. right. And she was able to choose for her own body. Um, it's not like the doctor was like, you must do it. And we're going to tie you down to the table mm-hmm. and, and force you to, to terminate this pregnancy. But that is what people are doing um, with women who get pregnant and whether it be an ectopic pregnancy, if it's um, uh, not good for them, if the, uh, the child's not going to survive outside of it, if they end up having a miscarriage and they need to have the, the fetus aborted uh, because they can get sepsis if they mm-hmm. don't, like it's all of these things. And now it's been criminalized. And that that's terrifying. That's absolutely terrifying that you're just taking away the choice and then also putting women at at, at a greater risk. Right. Mm-hmm. And whenever we think about like the criminalization of, you know, uh, black women and black bodies and everything like that, I mean, anything that from a miscarriage that is like, um, by chance to like deciding to have an abortion can now be criminalized and, and looked at it through a criminal lens. I do want to like point out that like something I always say, like politics are personal. Mm-hmm. no matter absolutely. what and people are like you can't take I'm like it's personal like absolutely people politicians make their decisions based on like their personal experiences so I feel like I was like that's crap mm-hmm. um and then also like I think about one of my previous co-workers who had her son when she was a teenager and she's like you know I'm I'm done she's like 25 at the time and she tell she told me the story like how she was going to like get a hysterectomy mm-hmm. and her doctor was like well what if your husband wants kids later and she's like I don't, I don't want children. Like I am, I am, I, as a fully fledged grown up, do mm-hmm. no longer want to per, like have babies. Mm-hmm. And they're like, well, you know, you might change your mind. She's like, no, I'm good. And if I, if I do, I'll cross that bridge later. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it's just this whole, and then, you know, we've seen in the past, like women who have to get their husband's approval or permission to have a hysterectomy. Right. And I'm just like, we, women have just never had permission to have access to our own bodies and now it's just it's continuously perpetuated in our laws and you're like and it just takes me back to the gaslighting of like mm-hmm. why are you so upset I'm like because I have never had full access especially like I think I was just I was just talking to a friend about slavery because I have mm-hmm. chill conversations always in my life um <laughs> and talking about you know a f- um 
their historical family context Mm -hmm. about how, you know, someone in their family was a slave owner, owned enslaved people and how they were having an affair with a slave. I go, no, 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 no. Mm-hmm. wasn't an affair because the slave did not cont- the enslaved woman could not consent mm-hmm. I was like it, it and it's I'm like it's all about language like we have to really talk about how we talk about language like mm-hmm. you are saying in this moment that like this black woman who had no rights at all had access to her body like she didn't she was probably raped and this is you know she, he owned her and could kill her if he wanted to um so I think it's it's that too like just the historical context of just how much this country has never cared about the bodies of women, specifically women of color. But then we also look back until, you know, I want to say like maybe 50, 60 years ago when it was like, okay, for your husband to have sex with you if you didn't want to have sex with him. And, right. you know, just, just those continuous things of like, we have not come that far. Like Roe was in the what, 60s, 70s, mm-hmm. 70s. Yeah. Um, and it's like, that's like not even like 50 years. No, it's, it's, it's just shy or like just at 50 years. Do you know what's wild that I just learned? Mm. Um, there are four States that if you are actively pregnant, you cannot get divorced from your husband. And Texas is one of those States. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's utter absolute fucking bullshit. (laughs) Like (laughs) I, I saw that and I was like, there's no way there's no way. So whenever you also think about this, it's also tied to like domestic violence and domestic mm-hmm. abuse. And like, again, women not having power over themselves, over their own money, over their own body, over their own decisions. Um, and it's, that's terrifying. Mm-hmm. Like that's absolutely <laughs> atrocious. I, my brain is trying to process that bullshit. And yeah. it's just and like, they, they can eventually get a divorce after the child is born, but they have to wait until after the child is born. So if I know I want to divorce my stupid, abusive ass of a husband, I have to wait until I give birth to our baby who I will love, not the point, Mm -hmm. before I can divorce his ass. Now you're asking me to stay potentially in an abusive situation, which Mm -hmm. could result in both me and my child being murdered Mm -hmm. because my husband owns me in this, in this sense, like, what the fuck are we talking? I hate it. everything's on fire (laughs) yeah I um I read uh because I don't have great boundaries with my twitter right but it's a hellscape and amongst us does you know right um but I read this story um from a woman who grew up pretty conservative um in a a, a heavily christian environment um and she was catching up with a an old friend. Um, and like, while she had gone away from Christianity, her friend had gone more towards Christianity and they were talking about abortion. Um, and her friend was like, there is in no way at any point is this okay. And her friend asked and she was like, but do you know someone who's had an abortion? And she was like, absolutely not. And she interrupted her and said, no, but you do. My mother had an abortion. And because they were so close and so tight knit as kids, like this woman, the friend was aghast right Mm -hmm. but she also knew the woman's um and her mother's situation right her stepdad was incredibly abusive um they were incredibly poor like you know just struggling to make ends meet in every every situation and the way that she described it she was like if my mom had had that pregnancy there is a very high likelihood that my stepfather would have killed me my mom an unborn child right because it was getting to that point and so she had an abortion to get out of that relationship and so whenever her friend heard that story. It just kind of like smacked her in the face of like, oh, this is, 
the the women and and the people who are seeking abortions it's not out of convenience the, the whole convenience abortion thing is just such bullshit oftentimes it is about life and death sometimes it's about you know just I mean, any decision, any, any reason is a valid reason, but Mm -hmm. sometimes it is about dire stakes. And I also want to point out that abortion isn't just like a thing you like go and like take a, chew a stick of gum and it's over, right? right? Like, (laughs) like I was, when I was looking at options, because as a woman, I still have options in Texas till six weeks. Um, But I was looking at it and you could technically have an abortion up to 12 weeks, which I think is fantastic. Mm but it was, I was reading through because that's also my, my obsession is that I read a lot of medical stuff, not WebMD, but like actual like things. <laughs> I stopped the WebMD anxiety used to be real. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I was reading it of like everything that happens to your body when you go through an abortion. Yeah. And I also think back to, I think it was 2020. Um, I read a story about a woman who had to go to Cal- to Colorado to get an abortion she had to drive there because something had happened. She's from Texas, but something had happened that she had to drive to Colorado and get one and then drive back because she had worked later that week. And thinking about how like she had to like get a hotel room, take these, take the pills, what your body goes through Mm -hmm. and then like drive back because Texas just won't let women have access to their bodies. Um, And also I want to quickly sidebar when I say women, I mean, all people with uteruses for the Mm -hmm. sake of this conversation. Um, because gender is expansive. Um, but I just, I just think of that too. It was just like the, the hoops we make people jump through to just have access to healthcare and abortion is healthcare. Like mm-hmm. it saves lives the same way, you know, going in to get chemo saves your life when you have cancer, right? Like there's just like, it, it's just how we minimize and belittle the life of a fully fledged adult mm-hmm. for, I'm so sorry. And I don't mean for this to sound like an asshole, but at that point, it's a cluster of cells. Like we don't even know mm-hmm. if the baby is going to survive at 12 weeks in general. And I'm just I like, mean, we don't care. Pregnancies fail for a number of reasons, mm-hmm. right? It's not like, oh, you're pregnant and it's 100% going to be viable and going right. to, to result in, in a healthy child. Not that, you know, again, not to like sound like an asshole, but like, why, why is it that we're valuing a, a potential mm-hmm. life over of like, a, like you said, a fully fledged life. And it's, it's interesting whenever you look at other religions, um, like Judaism, right. Where they're like, no, we value the life of the mother. Right. And so like, they will always have access to abortions in the case that like it is threatening the life of the mother, because the, the life of the mother is more important. And that mm-hmm. aspect. So now I'm scrolling through your notes, <laughs> which I appreciate. You can tell Jordan just finished school. These notes are immaculate. <laughs> I've got, um, I've got citations. There's, there's, there's there. graphs. I'm like, <laughs> um, but this this line here about the this is a class issue. Mm-hmm. Poor women were substantially overrepresented among abortion patients in 2008 and 2014 and had the highest abortion index of all subgroups examined in the latter year. Low income women had low income women had an above average relative abortion rate, while those in the higher highest income group were substantially underrepresented. This is what we're talking about is like, Mm -hmm. also (laughs) this works together. Bear with me. It's the way that we blame people for being low income on welfare, Mm. all these things, but you want us to have children that we're telling you we don't want. So then 
we that can we can't afford. We can't afford. <laughs> and then we're going to perpetuate the, like, and then you're going to perpetuate that system on us again of like, well, you chose to have this kid. Actually, no, I didn't want to have this baby. I was forced to have this baby. And then there's like no systems in place really. And it's just, I just, I, man, don't get me started on capitalism. Like, cause like, <laughs> I wrote, cause, cause precarity capitalism, right. Is a very real thing that has been an instrument of oppression and like mm-hmm. is very very much so um done to keep lower class people and mainly people of color in a position that they don't have power because like money is politics is power there is no mm-hmm. separating it which is like why it frustrates me so much whenever they're like whenever people are like oh you know like socially i'm liberal but fiscally i'm conservative no what what you're saying in that moment is that i disagree that like I, I don't agree with the fact that this has harmed people, but it's benefited me um, in a way mm-hmm. that like, I'm not willing to give up that power. And like, that to me is, is absolutely awful. Um, and, you know, like with it being a class issue, it means it's intimately tied into race, especially with the history of, of the U S and it, that is, that is also just like the absolute frustrating part. Whenever you look at like, who is on the Supreme court, whenever you look at like, who is in politics, whenever you're looking at who are senators and who are representatives, it's going to be mostly men, mostly higher class and mostly white. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I was, there was something the other day and I was like this meme going around about there's a conversation around abortion and it's literally just like four white men. I'm like, (laughs) (laughs) like, (laughs) what is happening? I just, yeah, I'm I'm excited to see how this how this series goes because it's mm-hmm. just like so many and I said this in my post like I need more men and when I say men mm. I mean people who can get other people pregnant because they have a penis um to speak up about this mm-hmm. like I read something to the other day like if um child support started at conception we would have a way more people who were for abortion Cause it's oh, yeah. like, okay, I get pregnant by a dude I'm not with and I have to wait nine months for him to start paying. I'm like, no, 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 I would, I, I want it the day that I find out I'm pregnant. I want those checks to start rolling in. And also that your that, um, child support checks are about one third to two thirds of your, of your income. So I'm like, think about that dudes who are having sex. Like if you don't want this baby, like I think way more of you need to be speaking up about abortion access because it's, it's definitely going to affect you even if you don't think that it's going to. Yeah. And I think to, to build off of that point, this is something that I've talked about with my partner and, and with other men, um, in my life, you know, cishet men mostly, uh, that I've talked to about this, um, is that it's not just about voting and it's not just about Mm -hmm. like, public facing conversations. It's the conversations that you're having at the bar, right? Mm -hmm. It's, it's those, it's those half-assed jokes that like really kind of perpetuate that things like this are okay. And like you said earlier, like language is so important. And if we aren't like looking nuance or like at nuanced ways that it comes up in our life, we're not going to see whenever things slowly change over time. And so it's, it's, it's not just about, you know, getting on Twitter and being mad. It's about having conversations with your buddy of being like, yo man, this is really fucked up. And like, maybe you should care about it um, Mm -hmm. and not make jokes about it and not like belittle women um, or people who are able to get pregnant um, for being concerned about this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I have a couple of friends who are dudes and they're like, oh no, like we're getting vasectomies. I tight dude. 
they're like, we don't want kids. Yes, like we yes. know we don't want children. And if we change our mind, we, it can be reversed. The mm-hmm. fact that your vasectomy can be reversed. And it's like, yeah. also vasectomies are, most vasectomies are covered under insurance for like $25. What? Did you? Oh yeah. I was reading something oh. online the other day <clears throat> about a guy who was like, Hey, I was looking at my insurance and I just saw that my vasectomy is covered for like $25. And a woman goes, Ty, I had a full hysterectomy that cost me 10 grand. Oh, that wasn't covered. Oh. Yeah. Jesus. Christ Again, Almighty. I hate it here. I hate it so much. So I need everyone to look at their health insurance packages. If you're lucky enough to have health insurance <laughs> because right probably a coverage and also just like to have that sort of like extra safety built in also the fact that like a vasectomy is like a technically like an out of patient report like you could go and be home by the afternoon yeah whereas like when when we have to get on birth control it's like we have to we're putting a chemical in our body to stop the thing that's that's supposed to happen like the fact that we take the the birth control pill to you know, one to regulate our cycles, but two to prevent pregnancy. But just thinking about how, like, we are literally like changing our bodies mm-hmm. to avoid getting pregnant versus Man. if we just like cut it at the bud, not to be <laughs> crass. But if people just got vasectomies that are later reversible, it would just it would just benefit all of us, everybody. I yeah, absolutely. I I think it's really funny. Right. I feel like this came out in like 2012, 2013, whenever they started doing like male birth control tests Mm -hmm. and they were like, "Mm, it costs too much like mood swings and disorders and weight gain and all of these things. So we're not going to continue with the study. And all of the women are over here like, what are you doing? (laughs) What do you think we've been going through for the past 50 years? (laughs) Again, I hate everyone. It's like, yeah, I just I just need everyone to be t- paying attention. But also, like you said before, and I want to circle back to like, it's not mm-hmm. just about voting. It is having those conversations because that's the thing I wrote about. And I'm going to just link mm-hmm. the post I wrote in the show notes. But I said that too. I'm like, it's not just about voting because we've done that. We've registered to vote. We voted people into office who we want in office. We show up, we march, we protest, we do all the things we're supposed to do. And still we are constantly fucked over. So please tell us when the system's going to change please like if y'all you give me a timeline like is it 30 years from now we're probably gonna get our shit together because that's another thing too been thinking about like again all this is tied together of like today it is abortion access but sooner or later it's going to be gay marriage and so i need all the queer people especially cis gay white men to be paying attention because it's it's they're gonna try to dismantle this and like you just said in your notes please hold let me scroll (laughs) where was it oh and now that this opinion has come out about the supreme court this is the first time a supreme court of the united states decision would repeal and restrict rights in a decision Mm -hmm. yeah this is going to be the first one think about everything else the supreme court has done and that nothing is if it's on the constitution and you are not safe like it is not if it's not penned in and i'm talking like not amendments i'm talking like actual things mm-hmm. like row like gay marriage like all these things that means all of the things are on the chopping block so you could be like very passively caring about abortion access but just know it's gonna trickle so i need yeah. i need y'all to be giving a fuck now well yeah because like alito stated he was like it's 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 because it's not in the history 
of it's not based in the history of the United States right Mm -hmm. and it's like do you want like maybe he does I don't I I can't put words into his mouth Mm -hmm. but like was it better because I don't think it was better you know it's also not in the constitution that I would still be like two-thirds of a human right and I feel like he chose that language very purposefully yeah it's um can I, I just say, say yeah go please uh, what one more other like awful uh language thing that is not like is out of the scope of the supreme court um to be stated um was that was the uh there's a line in there about um the domestic infancy rate right and that that's dropping and that that is also part of the reason why this needs to be overturned is because our our birth rate is declining to the point that like, we're not at like keeping the, the level enough to, to make sure um, that older generations can be taken care of based on like the tax rate of those who are, who are younger. So again, going back to like capitalism and the way that our economy is set up, like this has absolutely driven a lot of like what the Supreme Court is coming into. And that like, if poor people aren't having babies, who's gonna be taxed to make sure that like, social security is going on, right? Like that, that is 100% also intrinsically linked and also outside the scope of the Supreme Court to put that in their statement. We haven't seen the official opinion, so we don't know if that's going to remain in there, but in a leaked one, um, just look up a domestic rate of infancy and you can read that part and like go through a Twitter uh, rabbit hole, go through like a, 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 there are more- um, I'm sure Reddit has a sub- Absolutely. <laughs> but it's, it's, it's atrocious how things are so tied, tied. to the economy in well, that now, aspect. Yeah. Now I think about too, of like how many people in our generation and younger mm-hmm. are like, I'm not having kids because it's too expensive. We're right. not buying houses because we can't fucking afford them. Mm-hmm. We are all in debt because of college. Like <clears throat> that's what we're not having. Like, fuck, fuck you. Like literally mm-hmm. fuck you. Like <laughs> you want us to pay for you after you have fucked everything up. Let's go back again, housing, education, climate change. Every single thing is tied to like, I'm sorry, boomers and older. And I'm going to just let y'all be mad about it. Um, and just like, you want us to pay for you after you fucked all of us over. Tight, tight, tight. No, no, I can't wait, actually. Great. We love yeah. this. Yeah, no, I, the older I get, I'm like, do I want kids? And I'm like, now, now I don't want to have a kid just to make them mad. Like now I'm like, <laughs> no, I don't want a baby because I don't want my kid to have to pay for their bullshit. Yeah. My, my therapist challenges me on that. Cause I'll say that. And he's like, but Jordan, if you aren't having children, not, and he, he's not like being like, uh, uh, dismissive or anything mm. about like my valid opinion or anything like that. But he's like, but also if you're not going to have kids, like who is going to have kids and who's going to raise those kids and things like that. And that like challenges everything where I'm like, God, maybe I should have a child at some point just to make sure there's something good being put into the world at some point. Volunteer <laughs> foster. Like, <laughs> right. Yes, absolutely. Cause like how many uh, foster kids are in the system? Like hundreds of thousands. Hundreds of thousands. But then I also think about too, like with the, this all ties together, with this being passed, there's going to be way more children who end up in the system. Right. Right. I hate it here. Mm-hmm. But I'm excited that we had this conversation and I'm sure we'll have you back for another piece because I feel like I could talk to you for days, but it's already like been an hour. I'm like, what the oh fuck? Where'd that God. time go? <laughs> <laughs> this was amazing. I this mean, it's is- always like you're just such an, an, an enigmatic person well, and like hearing you speak 
I love it. I love being here. Thank you so much for having no, me. No, thank you. And now you're going to go save us all because you just finished grad school. No pressure at all. <laughs> <laughs> I will be sure to link everything about Jordan in the show notes, everything you talked about in the show notes. Is there anything you want to plug before we do the little wrap? Uh, no, I mean, I'm, I'm just a, a grad student. If you want to follow me on Twitter, Instagram, just look me up, Jordan Cooley. My website's on there. Everything's linked. Um, so, but Nothing, nothing in the books quite yet that I'm producing, but we're cooking things up. Ugh, that's all we ask. <laughs> um, at the end of every episode, I like to ask a final question, sort of like a palate cleanser. So you feel like the world isn't on complete fire. Um, but the question is, what is the best advice you were ever given? Or what is a piece of advice you would give to your younger self? Yeah. Um, so for me, it came from a book. Um, I'm an avid reader. Um, the book was called When Women, when Women Were Birds by Terry Tempest Williams. Um, and the quote is, for far too long, we have been seduced into walking a path that did not lead us to ourselves. For far too long, we have said yes when we wanted to say no. And for far too long, we have said no when we desperately wanted to say yes. When we don't listen to our intuition, we abandon our souls. And, we, and when we abandon our souls because we are afraid, if we don't, others will abandon us. And for me, I know I like My that heart. book, that entire book, like, please link that book because it absolutely changed my life. Um, but for me, like someone who grew up in a, a, a very not safe household, had multiple abusive partners and things like that. These words of saying like, your voice has power, who you are has power. Your intuition is correct. Like lean into it. Like that is where your power comes from. And like, that is where the good is going to come from. Um, and just knowing that, like, if, if you use your voice for something larger, like you will be included into it, right. This abundancy mindset, all of that. So like, that's what I want to put into the world. Like that's where I'm coming from at it. And it was, um, one of the most transformative pieces for me. So I hope it gives someone some light today. (laughs) I love that. I want like, I have to go read this book now. I haven't read it. Okay, adding it to my summer reading list. Yes. That's it. This week's episode of The Tea with Brie. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at The Tea with Brie. Send me an email at thetea3 at gmail.com and visit the website, thetea3podcast.com. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or we get your podcast. A special thanks to Mama Duke for our theme music. And I'll talk to y'all next week. Bye.